Welcome to the Nate Taylor Show. With Nate Taylor, I'm Jay Binkley. We said goodbye to Mitch Holtis. Tell us about the road trip. It's nothing like hitting the open road, Nate. There's nothing like hitting the open road for some football. Uh, it's, it's being resourceful. It's football weather when there's snow and ice and flight delays, cancellations, you know. Um, but this is why we love it, right? Because there's so much emotion. Uh, you wait hours, months, all the practices for a little drama in the fourth quarter when you're trying to get the one seed. And again, we've said it all year, Jay. Everybody's chasing them in the AFC, which sets up for a really, really fun and dramatic playoffs you know, yeah. in, in less than two weeks. Chiefs lose 34-31 to 31 to the Cincinnati Bengals in many different there's a lot of reasons for this game. Officiating, if we want to go that route, I'm not a big fan of blaming <laughs> the officials, although there's certainly five drives extended for penalties against the Chiefs. Look at that. We can look at the third and 27. Why was there two guys on Jamar Chase? How do you let one guy beat you? Yep. There's a lot of questions to drop pass by Tyree Kill down the field yep. to score points at the end of the first half. Many, the running game and their most productive game of the season against the fourth best run defense. So many things to dive into, but... Nate, uh, starting with this, this was just more than losing to the Bengals. Because you and I, have, we've loved this. The Chiefs have been able to outrun the problems. Those early season problems and losses with the Bills, the Titans, the Ravens. Thought those would, would come back, but they got in front of it. They got in front of it to where they controlled their own destiny. Yes. Like they did that miraculous thing where those wouldn't bother them. That was where they put them. Well, it all caught back up with the loss to the Bengals. We've talked about Andy Reid, his success after bye weeks, 25 and 6 regular and postseason, 20 and 3 in the regular season after the bye. The bye means something. Andy Reid's very good. And my other thing is, this team has played more football than any team in the NFL. Yes. Back to back Super Bowls, you go to the AFC title game. No team has played more games than the Kansas City Chiefs. All these things were part of that one loss. And they might play more games than any team in the NFL for four consecutive years, Jay, if they have to go through the wild card round, something that has never occurred in the Patrick Mahomes era. Uh, he's been so good. They've been so excellent. Andy Reid has guided this But to quantify it, they could be the two seed like they were in 2018, but they had a little magic buy in but 2018. Have, but hey, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins did them a favor, and we're going to... And they did not this past weekend. <laughs> no, they did not. Tua, Tua did not play well. Um... Yeah, the Chiefs now are in a similar role as in 2019, uh, although this time they will be on the road to in their regular season finale against a divisional opponent in the Denver Broncos. But, I mean, you listed it, Jay. Uh, third 27. I mean, sometimes this game can be so complicated and so complex, and sometimes it can be really simple too. And it's just, hey, one guy has over, has more than half of the quarterback's yardage. In terms of receiving, this is, this is all Jamar Chase. They have T. Higgins, great player. Joe Mixon in the backfield. Yep, Tyler Boyd. It was Tyler Boyd. It was all about Jamar Chase, the guy that in preseason couldn't catch a football. He mm -hmm. said they were too big, and he liked the white stripe on him, like in college yep. football. Jamar Chase was the. Hey, I've always been. If you have somebody dominant, you can't let him have it. Right. You can't. I remember I was on there with the Kling this morning talking to Derek Johnson. I was like, how do you let one guy beat you? Like. You make adjustments just to try to stop that guy. Andy Reid, after the game, about that third and 27 play, 
So many things. That, the drop pass by Tyreek Hill. We talked about that. The, the uh, Byron Pringle return getting called yep. back. So many things. But the third and 27 was major for the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's Andy about that. Probably could have helped out a little bit more on uh, on on Chase. So, um, but that's, uh, uh, you know, we put our guys in, you know, in that position uh, to make a play to hopefully get to the quarterback and keep him out of field goal range and, um, and so it, it didn't work out. The guys busted their tail to get it done, and it just didn't. It didn't work out. Okay, give them more help. The honey badger. Yeah, that one hurt, man. Uh, I'm pretty sure we all want that one back. You know, uh, as far as the players, you know, even even Spags and, and the coaches as well. Um, they all want it back. It leads me back to a tweet from you, Nate Taylor, after the game. Gotta say, Andy Reid is as furious as I've seen him after a game this season. Another reminder that close losses such as this one often hurt more than the blowouts. Now, the officiating, there's a lot of reasons for him to be mad, but letting one guy dominate him, I can't imagine him being able to sleep much last night thinking about Jamar Chase still doing those things that he did and they didn't make the adjustments. Let's break it down. It's third and 27. You could do cover two. You could do cover four. You could do a prevent defense, Jay. They could do defenses like they're stopping Mahomes. Correct. Um, <laughs> they are one. The reason we are harping on this and why I wrote my story after the game about this is they are one play away from giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Now, you could argue it's a long field goal attempt for Cincinnati if they get no yards. If you surrender 10 yards, perhaps they make the field goal. They go up 34-31, but you at least give Patrick Mahomes a chance to have an influence or an impact on the game's outcome. You give it to your offense, who had already scored 31 points on the Bengals without their best offensive line. Uh, Obviously, Orlando Brown didn't play because of a calf strain. Lucas Niang uh, had a season-ending ruptured pelotendon in his uh, left knee, I believe. So all that to be said, similar to baseball, you know, if a pitcher's hot, ride the pitcher because the ball's always in his hands. Nothing starts without him. Same way with the quarterback. And this is instructional, Jay, for what the rest of this month may hold before you potentially get to the Super Bowl in mid-February is Patrick Mahomes needs to be the best player on the field moving forward. And weirdly, in one of the more rare cases, Jamar Chase was the best player because the Chiefs allowed him to have opportunities to have more receiving yards than Patrick Mahomes because they chose to blitz eight <laughs> on third and 27. And it didn't get, uh, excuse me, I think they blitzed seven people. It was a seven-man protection. It versus did work seven, early on in the game. It did. It was a seven-man protection against a seven-man blitz. The conventional thought is if we speed up the quarterback, the ball's got to come out of his hands quickly. As long as you make the tackle before the receiver gains 27 yards, you should be in business. Um, But because Jamar Chase was a mixture of Randy Moss and Jerry Rice, they gave him a 50-50 ball down the sideline, and Traverius Ward is there. But um, Jamar Chase was the best player on the field. And I don't think the Chiefs want to say that about another opposing player moving forward this year Uh, because Mahomes has been playing excellent since really the start of December. And for whatever reason, that one decision prevented him 
from not having a chance to respond in the final minutes of that ball game. The other thing too is, and we'll get back to, to this stuff as we as we go through a lot to lot to digest of this game. Broncos game this weekend's been moved to Saturday at three thirty. But the other thing too is Orlando Brown. I mean, that was a mysterious. He was out there practicing. I was talking to Mitch about it. He'd seen him out there playing. Goes back in the locker room, put his questionable. All of a sudden, doesn't play. Yep. Prince uh, Tegu was was inactive. Kyle Long was so, inactive. Yes. So the Chiefs were in a certain situation here. So they tried Lucas Niang. Which he's played left tackle and right tackle in his career at TCU. Been a right tackle here, completely different discipline. Stepping back on the right foot or your left foot. Yes. Hey, let's talk to Ryan Littledge about just the difficulties from doing that. And think about it: when you hop on a bicycle, you always go with the lead foot. Mm-hmm. And doing the other foot is different. That's what these guys have. Joe Tooney uh, was called to do that as well, and he had a simple answer: just want to do what the team needed, and um, whatever wherever the team needs me, I'll play and. So then Niang goes out, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are out two left tackles. You're like, okay, what's going to go on? Insert Nick Allegretti at guard again. That's where depth comes in. Joe Tooney slides out where he's not played a lot of tackle. He's been a guard in this league. He did say he has played mid last season. He played left tackle a little bit, uh, he did say, but hadn't played tackle a lot. And this offensive line came together once again, as we've seen Wiley step in on the right side. But this offensive line, the depth really showed itself. Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson is a 14 good. sacks in yeah, the NFL. He's a good pass rusher, yes. That's a good pass rushing team, seventh in the NFL in sacks. And this uh, Chiefs offensive line kept them to none. Zero. Um, and that might be one of the more encouraging aspects of this game just because, uh, you know, when Lucas Niang is on the cart, and it's so unfortunate because you never want a player to get injured in that manner and to have their season sort of taken away from them before you know the most important games are coming up in the postseason. Um, I think everybody who watched Super Bowl 50, do I have to say it, Jay? I mean, I think everybody that watched. No, you don't have okay, to say yeah. the name of it. We know what you're talking about. Everybody, but it was reminiscent of, oh, boy, here's some shuffling on the offensive line. As you mentioned, the Bengals have a pretty good pass rush. Uh, how is Mahomes going to handle it? How is the line going to have chemistry with him? And I just thought they did an exceptional job. And it gives you at least more confidence that uh, whenever Orlando Brown comes back, and I'm not sure if that will necessarily be for the Broncos game or if the Chiefs will be more precautious and sort of save him for the playoffs, especially if they don't earn the one seed. If Tennessee wins on Sunday, then you know you're playing in the wild card weekend. That at least will give Orlando Brown uh, two weeks to sort of let that calf heal as best as it can with treatment and and such. But – if that's the case, at least Andrew Wiley has had, I believe, eight games now of real action where he's played at a very competent level, better than I anticipated. Um, Joe Tooney, I mean, they paid him the most money a left guard has made in the league, and he made that transition look way more seamlessly than it probably should. Um, and so now you at least have options there because Nick Allegretti shows some toughness, some grit from the left guard situation. We know the how Super Bowl starter, too. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean – we know how good Creed Humphrey is and, and Trey Smith. So uh, as long as I can not have any more injuries moving forward, and if you know you're getting Orlando Brown back to what you hope is full capacity, then this offensive line can stick. The offense is still performing at a high level. Um, what's unfortunate, of course, because of some other factors, the offense only had three possessions, which was the lowest they've had in any second half this season. So, you get three chances to score. You only get three points. Um, 
but it wasn't because the offensive line hindered the offense. I think the offense still functioned at a very high level uh, with some shuffling in front of Mahomes. And Tooney was asked how much left tackles he played. I think I had a series or two at right tackle a couple years back, and then, um, you know, that I think um, there's always, you know, room to improve. And, um, you know, I give credit to our O-line coaches and the whole offensive coaching staff. This guy's tough. He played with that cast on his hand, remember, early mm-hmm. in the season. This guy's just all tough. You're listening to Nate Taylor's show. By the way, if you have questions for Nate, we do that the last segment of the show on the Jay Southland Tow Service text line, 913-576-7610. We come back. The officiating. Andy Reid said he didn't want to get fined by talking about it. Mike Pereira, head of the uh, the former vice president yes. of officiating, was on with CDOT earlier. We'll talk about the officiating next. You're listening to The Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to The Nate Taylor Show, at ByNateTaylor on Twitter. By the way, you just uh, finished up a story, as you always do, right before coming in here, a lot about the stuff we just talked about with the offensive line, maybe looking uh, better than we thought. It's got to be better than – it can't be worse than last year, right? But it no. is a credit – and Patrick Mahomes mentioned this yesterday too, but it is a credit to Brett Veach and the front office, the personnel staff, the, the football operations, you know, finding the right players to add more depth because they just didn't have it against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, hey, give credit to Andrew Wiley too who struggled as a tackle last year in a, in a spot starting role and this year has improved his skill set, his technique, and – um Hey, it helps to to pay high priced guards who can also play tackle to you know perform well in a in a in just a really wild situation. But but the for, depth too, like Austin Blythe hadn't played yep. in how long? I mean, they, there's been other backups brought in here we haven't seen yet. They have options, and that's got to be good for Patrick Mahomes because as long as he's upright, the Chiefs always have a chance in these upcoming games, and that's critical because um, I think. I think there are a segment of Chiefs fans who would love a rematch with Tampa Bay if the Chiefs are healthier than they were a year ago. And um, perhaps to get back to the Super Bowl, you're going to have to rely on some guys that uh, maybe were not projected starters when the season began, but they do give you the proper depth to go as far as you want to go in the postseason. Well, the big thing, obviously, was the penalties. Oh. It was 100% the penalties. Uh, Andy Reid, uh, he's visibly upset. You can tell he's upset. I, mean, I tried, Jay. I tried. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want him to get fined, but I did try to tell him, "Hey, coach, well, um, did, <laughs> didn't look didn't look easy out you, there." You, you tried, Nate. Andy, I just wanted to follow up on what you said earlier. Um, given the penalty situation, did you could you tell if there was anything that you could tell what was going on in terms of the secondary penalties? Was there anything that the refs gave you in terms of what their uh, understanding of those calls were? Yeah, no, they told me. <laughs> they told so Mike Pereira, the uh, NFL rules guru, was on with Carrington earlier. I guess I could best sum it up by saying I can understand why Andy Reid was upset, um, and I can understand why he said he didn't want to say anything because he didn't want to be fined. Because there certainly are a couple of plays down there, and we're talking about critical calls that were either made or missed, um, and all the ones that I looked at basically were in the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, I, I understand why he's upset. I understand why Chiefs fans are upset. And it's not the first group of fans that are upset. It's not the first coach that's been upset. But um, but I clearly understand. It was the last-minute uh, 
ref switch in this game. Could have been COVID reasons. We don't know 100% what the reasons were. But you ask Andy Reid that question. He didn't want to get fined. He's got to be very careful. I couldn't be a head coach and do that stuff because I'd fly off the handle. <laughs> I mean, this, it's, especially if you're one of these coaches that your job depends on that game and you got screwed over. Andy's obviously job security. He didn't have to worry about it. But I've always said this, too. He's kind of like the E.F. Hutton of the NFL. When he speaks, people listen. Yes. Like, if he does go off, I don't know what the NFL will do because he's one of the, the, the faces of the National Football League. But Mike Pereira is sitting here saying, I could see why he's upset. Five drives from the Bengals were because of the officiating. We can say the officiating doesn't matter. Third and 27, the officials didn't help you there. Right. Third, or the officials didn't help Tyreek Hill drop that pass at the end of the first half. But it does make a difference when you're not calling false starts on them, when you're elongating drives, uh, because that was a third and one situation. They false started, could mm-hmm. change the things. But football does come down to one or two plays, as obviously that game did, even if we take the officials out of it. Right. It certainly mattered in this game, and Andy Reid certainly not happy with the officiating. And this got to be a tough game to go back and watch because you're saying things, and what are you telling Snead on some of these plays? Like, yes, what are you doing, man? You did everything right. That's the one. The the one that I think Chiefs fans can be most disgruntled with or heartbroken is it's a simple corner route. Uh, I think that Joe Burrow is attempting to throw to T. Higgins. It's not there. Um, it's okay in the rule book, and I know Mike Pereira probably – alluded to this, but it's okay for a defensive back to go for the football uh, when the ball's in the air. Um, But unfortunately, even if it wasn't catchable, I mean, T. Higgins never got his hands on the ball. Uh, They called it a pass interference and continued to drive. That drive led to points. Um, I can understand why why Chris Jones got out of his three-tech stance, Mm -hmm. Jay. Or maybe he was in a five-tech, but he got out of his stance to say, did you not see the left guard just flinch in front of the entire American public? Number on one, the, the pass interference <laughs> with the 15 yards at the 15-minute mark, the first play of the fourth quarter, which um, I just don't think is pass interference. Yeah, it was handsy early in the route, in the route, route. but I, I don't think at the break there was any restriction, and I just don't think it's a foul. So if you're Sam Anderson, Dave Merritt, Spags as well, you know, because he's mm-hmm. a defensive back guy, looking at it saying, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong in that situation? But that just a culmination of bad things. One thing I thought was really bad, the horse collar. Oh, that on, wasn't on, a horse collar on Chase. What's an NFL guy like Mike Prayer think about that? The horse collar. Yeah, I get it. Um, the hand did slip from the front to the back, and it did grab inside the back of the collar. But I don't even think that was the force that took the runner down. I think it was really the the front side over the shoulder that started him going down and then the other arm, the right arm kind of pushing him down. So not a mystery. I mean, I can see why it was called. The official did have a look of the hand inside the collar, but to me, it's not enough to be called. That wasn't really the force that took him to the ground. It wasn't there. There were so many things. Then we go fourth and ones down at the goal line, certain situations. I think you get approach it like you do Hail Mary's. Things are going to happen. You don't mm-hmm. want you don't want to be the reason a team wins or loses a game. Let them play football. So, were you saying, Jay, that they were consistently inconsistent? Consistently inconsistent. And I hate to blame the officials because we we can look at this game in several other ways. But if you're going to say officiating was a part of this game, 100 percent was. And when you put together a crew that hasn't worked together, which was this situation, and like you said, Jay, we don't know if it was COVID, we don't know if it was travel issues getting to Cincinnati. 
um, and maybe making a call to say, hey, can you can you drive to Cincinnati uh, at a faster route than like the radio crew had to do? You know, these these are the unfortunate times that we are living in. But when you have a crew that hasn't worked together, I think you want to tell that crew to lean on the side of, hey, let the players determine if it's something overtly egregious. That's easy to call. Everybody can't really argue those. It's the ones where Lamar Jamar Chase is being tackled inbounds, but he lands out of bounds in what appears to be a horse collar tackle. But, ladies and gentlemen, they hadn't tackled this man well all game. <laughs> so it was going to take supreme effort. And, and look, can I just state a fact, Jay? <laughs> These penalties that we are discussing, they were called on the side where the Bengals uh, coaches – Players, look, I mean, these are humans. They can get influenced, and these calls were not made on the Chiefs' sideline. They were made closer to the Bengals' sideline. So um, what I think Andy Reid is trying to hold within himself is a bit of anger. As I told everybody on Twitter, it's, it's, you know, because of the significance of the game, he really felt it. And I wanted, in my question, not to necessarily let – Andy get fined because that's his prerogative, whether he wants to <laughs> disparage the, the refs publicly, which leads to you losing money out of your check. But you can't explain the emotion of, hey, I thought our guys did enough and you said otherwise, and I don't agree with it. Well, I'm uh, sure the NFL sent the Chiefs a letter today because you know. They review, those, they review it within hours. Yeah, yes. They do, but uh, the Chiefs probably sent back clips. video yes. clips, their descriptions, what went on. The Bengals had a uh, you know call go against them, but here's the thing: this way the Bengals have done things all year. It's a least penalized team, I fewest know. points, fewest yards, fewest penalties. This is what they do. This is the ML of the Bengals. What really bothered me was the missing of the false start. You know, on a critical third and one play, a false start. You know, just outside of two minutes, where you know the defense stems and the defense can stem. They moved first. They didn't move into the neutral zone. Correct. They moved into a different gap. Um, it's a tough one um, when that happens. And sometimes I think teams do it abruptly just to try to draw a false start. Correct. Which, you know I, I'm concerned about that, but it wasn't the case here. I thought the stemming move was uh, was smooth, and then it created a reaction by the the left guard who who certainly jumped enough twitched enough to be called for a false start and and it didn't get it and you know the guards are the ones that seem to get away with the most <laughs> just uh, just uh, just bad officiating all the way around yes the, the chiefs lost the scheme in other ways as well what you don't want is three weeks from now for us to have this same discussion about any playoff game oh you don't want this you don't want this in a playoff game whatsoever because this will haunt you I think that, Nate, that it depends on, I don't know how you look at this this game and the significance. This was a gut punch, man. This is one of those, because the Chiefs had fought so hard to get where they were, the eight straight wins, letting all those early season losses not matter anymore, which is insane, because they lost some very key games to the Bills and the Titans, and we thought at the time the Ravens, but still, the Titans was a, was a major loss. We've been sitting here waiting for them to lose. Waited for Jimmy Garoppolo, 10-point lead to beat him. Then the Dolphins just completely laid down after seven straight wins. It was out of your control at this point by losing that game. And, and if you lose a, the first round of the playoffs, you're sitting here going, well, you shouldn't have even had to play the Correct. first round of the playoffs. These are things now, if they win those games and move on, this game gets erased. But this could have a lingering effect. It, it very much can. And I think 
what will be fascinating this week is what will Andy Reid's message be to his players? Because you can experience the gut punch, you can feel it, you can feel how bad it is, but you do have to move on. And if the road is tougher, you have to be prepared for. I mean, I think this is. I think this goes for the whole city, Jay. This road is gonna get really, really tough. It's supposed to be tough. It's like you don't waltz into your third straight Super Bowl. You could have made it more convenient by winning yesterday, um, but now that destiny is not fully in your control because you now have to win on Saturday to maintain the number two seed, which I think has some importance that we'll get to later on, and because you might be playing on wild card weekend, uh, it's not going to be easy beating three really good AFC teams in a row. Three just, rematches. Just to get to the game. Now that could be to your favor because they – have lost to the Bengals. They have lost to the Titans. They have lost to the Bills. Uh, the Chargers appears to be a bubbling rivalry that uh, maybe you can get some revenge at home, obviously, uh, by being the division winner. So it does set up well for them, but they also need to play, I think, I think they need to play angry, but they don't need to be out of control um, because they, they don't want the feeling they had yesterday at any point later on as long as the season goes on. We'll talk about that when we come back. What's at stake in the Denver game? You know, that two seed, and you look at some of these matchups, it's a lot of fun playing with the playoff prediction machine. Who are you going to play? Who would you rather face? Because these things are tough decisions, and it really depends on where the Chiefs end up as far as the number two seed. Can they hold on to it, who their first opponent is at Arrowhead Stadium? And can the whole AFC go through the through Arrowhead Stadium? If Tennessee gets the one seed and takes the L, they got to play the Texans. It's an unfortunate last game for them for the year, but they did beat them back on November 21st when the Texans uh, won. So Sam Mills would certainly get money, I'm sure, to his favorite charity from Chiefs fans if able to uh, pull a Ryan Fitzpatrick on the Tennessee Titans. That's more, all that and more coming up next on the Nate Taylor Show. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7 on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Nate Taylor Show. Jay Binkley with Nate Taylor. Nate, uh, we were just talking about the uh, significance of this Broncos game. Could have been uh, a lot of different uh, ways to play. If Tennessee takes that L, who do you play? Do you play your starters tonight? It will be Drew Locke starting. Kansas City's own Drew Locke starting for the Broncos. We've seen this before. Uh, The Broncos are eliminated from playoff contention. They'll be playing on house money so to speak. They've lost 12 against the Chiefs. They are tired of answering that question. <laughs> like, seriously, I mean, you hear a lot of, like, the barbecue questions and everything the Kansas City players, and they, it just rolls off. That's fine. But when you've lost 12 straight times to a team, and you haven't beaten them since Peyton Manning was your quarterback, and he's already in the Hall of Fame, you hear it every time. And they're going to be hearing it this week, too. Mm-hmm. As soon as the press conferences start flying for the Broncos, it'll be the number one question. So how do the Chiefs look at this? It's going to be a Broncos team. Again, house money. They're going to go out and, you know, try anything they can because they still, uh, you know, a prideful team, want to put things on tape. Vic Fangio is going to try to salvage his job, although that's probably gone. Broncos fans would probably rather the Chiefs paste them so they could get a new head coach. But regardless, weird situation for the Chiefs. You mentioned Orlando Brown. If you, if you sit him out this week to go for the wild card. But again, the Chiefs. They're not going to show much. They don't want to show much because they, if Tennessee wins, they have a playoff game the next week. Yeah, and 
Uh, remember, Jay, I said a few weeks ago the Broncos shouldn't win another game. And guess what, y'all? They haven't won a game since. Uh, they shouldn't, they shouldn't, they shouldn't want to win on Saturday outside of, God, can we just beat these guys to get it over with, to, to sort of move on? Um, it's fascinating. Who knows if Drew Locke is back next year? He may be traded to be a backup option somewhere else. So this is, you know, viable tape for him. Uh, Vic Fangio may want to win as his swan song, if that is indeed the case. Uh, so we can claim he beat the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, these are you got to find the little victories within uh, a potential victory. Um, you know, it'll be fascinating for the Chiefs because similar to what we saw against the Steelers, now that circumstance was much different because there were so many guys on the COVID list that had tested positive, but... Can you get a 10, 14-point lead like you got yesterday, and can you maintain it and hold it without, like you saying, showing something new schematically uh, that may be in your favor in the wild card round or potentially in the divisional round if you are fortunate enough to get the one seed with Tennessee losing? Um, because you know you're playing one of these teams again, I think this is what's fascinating about it too is like, okay, you're playing the Denver Broncos. Well, we've already played them before. Uh, you've beaten them. Do what's necessary to win. It doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be a shootout like it was yesterday in Cincinnati. But you know, once the playoffs begin, hey, we could see the Chargers. It could be the Raiders. I think the only team that they haven't faced, or the only teams, I should say, that they haven't faced right now who potentially either are in or could be in is New England and Indianapolis. Everything else is is a rematch. Um, and so you want to use all that information as best you can. Um, as I said earlier, there will be some arguments that if Orlando Brown is healthy and feeling good, and if he practices because the team has changed his schedule, the team, if, if Orlando Brown practices on Wednesday or Thursday, because the team will travel Friday, of course, then that's a, then that's a good sign that, um, that maybe he can, thank you, Siri, that maybe, that maybe he can do that too, that maybe he can be in the lineup. It's my silly Apple watch. Um, but if he doesn't practice, then that means that they'll probably hold him for the playoff round to make sure that his calf is is, is as good as it can be. Um, but can they run the ball as effectively as they did against the Bengals? That'll be a question that I'll that I'll ask myself all week because they ran the ball very well without their top running back either. You know, Clyde Rosalaire still out with the collarbone situation. Does he need another week to get healthy? Um, I thought Derek Gore in limited role did very well. Obviously, the cutback specialist, that is Darrell Williams, did pretty good. So can you get a lead? Can you run the ball effectively when you know the opponent is, you know, anticipating you running the football? And then don't have the coverage mistakes. Don't give up the big play that you had against Denver, or that you had against Cincinnati because winning, I think, is super important. The league basically told the Chiefs, we want everybody to play in front of a national audience on Saturday. And you should try to win the game because it at least assures you the two-seat. Losing to Denver somehow lets Cincinnati maybe creep up to the two-seat because they would have the tiebreaker against you. Um, it'll be fascinating to see what goes on with New England because they're in a similar situation where they, they I think they still have a chance to win the division. Uh, so maybe they can leap over you because they have a better conference record at that point. So make it simple on yourself. Do what you couldn't do. On Sunday, win Saturday, get the number two seed, and as you mentioned, um, pray, gamble, uh, promise to do very nice things for David Cutley and his staff. 
send barbecue. Like, do whatever it takes to get the Houston Texans motivated to beat the Tennessee Titans for a second time in a very strange, bizarre AFC Yeah, New England needs the Jets to beat Buffalo at Buffalo. But you never know. Jets gave it a fighter's chance. They really got Antonio Brown uh, (laughs) fired up and leaving in the stadium. But uh, the Jets are competent. I can't say that about the New York Giants. So, hey, there's a chance. Hey, who knows? But what, what do you think about the, Okay, so they moved the Chiefs game to Saturday, 3.30 yes. on Saturday. So it throws the whole Planning, week off a little Because yes. Andy Reid was supposed to talk today. He didn't have to because he's going to talk tomorrow. It throws things for a loop, and it sets up, well, either the Chiefs or the Cowboys because the Cowboys are going to play on Saturday night as well. And it sets up a situation that one of those two teams will be playing probably – that wild card game on Monday night. We never had the wild card games on Monday night. You do this year. Could be the Chiefs. Could. It could be the Cowboys. Could be the Cowboys. Cowboys obviously a huge TV draw, but setting it up to where the Chiefs could end up. Could end up now. It's nice they're off Sunday and sit there and look at things. So it kind of helps them out that way. Obviously, you'd have a short week the following week before the divisional round if they do play on Monday. But right. I don't know, maybe the Chiefs do end up on Monday night for their wild card game. Who knows? Uh, some of the thought process in the scheduling, if that is indeed the case, like let's say the Chiefs win on Saturday against the Broncos, so that would give them the two seed. Um, from a scheduling standpoint, you could say, hey, uh, if you remain the two seed, you're going to give, we're going to give you an additional day, an additional day and a half, basically, and you're going to play Monday night football, as you alluded to, Jay. And that way, if you win, you are not having to travel that following week in the divisional round. As the two seed, you will remain at home. You will play. Um, the lower seed will come to you. Uh, that will be, I think, the the big thing that any coach uh, who's in that two to three range will want to ask for. Like, hey, I don't want to play on Monday night football and then have my guys travel five days later to play whoever the next opponent is if I'm not the home team already. And the Cowboys sitting at the fourth seed at that point. But it is since right now it would be the Dallas playing the Cardinals, Chiefs, Chargers, if the Chargers could beat the Raiders. Mm. Depends on that. But that could be a matchup. They have Herbert and Mahomes, yeah. and they know how good those games <laughs> can be with those two. I mean, I, look, look, Jay, all I want is the Chiefs to, uh, I, think, I think for historical purposes, the Chiefs should try to win on Saturday because being the two seed or the one seed, historically gives you a greater advantage to get to the Super Bowl. Obviously, if you're the one seed, you stay at home. Everybody's got to come through you. If you handle your business, you have one one road trip, and it's to the Super Bowl. If you're the two seed, similar to what the Chiefs were in 2019, if that one seed messes up, all of a sudden now you have home field advantage, and the Chiefs had one trip, and it was to Miami, and it was a successful one. So you want to be the one or two seed from a historical perspective in terms of making your path as easy as possible. And then if you are the two seed, it does set up some rematches that are really, really tasteful. I mean, who doesn't want to see Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals come to Kansas City in a possible two versus three matchup? Or, hey, if it's got to be wild card weekend, we already saw it in primetime once. Joe Burrow, Brendan Staley, you know he's going for it on fourth down. Uh, it's Chiefs Chargers Part 3, uh, a trilogy this season. I mean, that would be fascinating. So if they take care of business against the Broncos, who, by the way, have no incentive to win, your draft pick gets worse with the win. And they get Fangio fired. Your coach is probably gone. <laughs> uh, 
You can start planning for the future. Do not win the game. Make it competitive, but don't win. Like, the NFL would like the commercials to at least be watched by somebody in the third quarter, but don't win. So, win Saturday if you're the Chiefs, and then it does set you up for a revenge tour unlike any other we've seen in the Mahomes era because they may play postseason contenders who have beaten them once, and it sets up for high drama. Coming up next on Nate Taylor Show, don't forget the uh, hashtag Ask Nate, J Southland Toast Service text line, 913-576-7610. We'll look at those playoffs uh, once again, and I have a burning question for Nate Taylor. Uh-oh. We'll see if it was answered Sunday Ooh. or not. We'll bring that up next. You're listening to the Nate Taylor Show, Monday nights at 7, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. Final segment, Nate Taylor Show. Coming up next, Red Reaction, Dusty Likens, Nick Price. If you haven't uh, listened to the fun that they have about the reaction from people from Chiefs games, I'm anticipating some officiating calls. (laughs) You may or may not like what Dustman and Nick have to say. I I hope Dusty's ready because these calls are about to be on smoldering fire. Yeah, we know you've been sitting around the office all day wanting to vent. I mean, when, when the fans know the officials' names, that's when it's like, okay. Yeah, it's bad news when they know the officials' names. But if you want to talk about not doubling Jamar Chase, I, the thing with me, Nate, is I'm sitting here going, I remember the night of the draft. And, I, you know, I was, I was doing a, a live draft show. And we, you know, discussed the picks coming up. What do we think teams are going to do? What mm-hmm. are the needs? What is our guess for that pick? Jamar Chase was still on the board when the Bengals are picking, all right? Joe Burrow supposedly, you know, banged the table, hey, get my guy. Yes. Jamar Chase was the guy that opted out. And I but, and I thought Pinel Sewell, I thought, oh, hey, Sewell? I thought Sewell was probably the better selection because But they did, need linemen. They need did you linemen. see what happened to Joe sucks. Burrow? Joe's been year? sacked more than the NFL player. But the question is, okay, do you want to go the free agent route and bulk up your line? Or mm-hmm. do you want a once in a generation type player, which I do believe Jamar Chase can be? And you want that combination to go forward. Every quarterback needs their guy. I mean, Manning had two and Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison, you know, with uh, John Taylor and Jerry Rice, with Joe Montana. Everybody's got to have their connection. And look at the connection that uh, Mahomes built up with Kelsey, or if you want to use Tyreek Hill. But that was something they needed. And obviously, Jamar Chase was was the only reason they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. So that draft pick worked out for them. And it's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future now that they got that identifiable guy in Jamar Chase. So... They got their guy, and many people thought they should bulk up their line. And I'm sure mm-hmm. at times Joe Burrow thinks so too. <laughs> but he leads the NFL 15 touchdown passes over 40 yards. He's a big part of Ooh. what he does. After seeing Burrow yesterday, and I like asking this question. I asked this question to Mitch. Uh, I've asked other people, who do you like better, Burrow or Herbert, in this situation? And I've heard people nationally. I brought on Mark Ross from NFL Network last week. He's a personnel guy that won two rings with the Giants. I asked him. He goes, I take Burrow. This before the game. I asked you this last week, and I think you said Herbert. I said Herbert. Yes, Where do we I stand did. now, though? Uh, Where do we stand now? You're on the clock, and ooh, you can pick Herbert or Burrow. Who, ooh, who's leading your franchise? It's tight. Oh, why are you doing it? Why are you doing this to me, Jay? I I want to say I want to say I want to stay firm in my belief that Justin Herbert 
I'm just I, I'm too addicted. I gotta get off of it. You're just like Pete, man. I it's, you guys are in this I can't, man. I can't now. Now but Herbert, people are people are licking his feet now. Burrows on NFL. Oh, I, I knew mean, this would happen this week. But. Yeah, I mean there was look. The best thing I can say about Burrow is a he's made this question really really tough. Yeah, the AFC is loaded with young talent. B, he has better accuracy than I anticipated because this was the first time that a team, I think all season, tested him in this way. Not only blitzing, but blitzing with bump, tight, press man coverage. Against cornerbacks that have played very well during this winning streak, Rashad Fitton, Traverius Ward, Legereus Sneed. Uh, his accuracy and moxie and toughness to stay in the pocket and deliver the ball on time is really, really impressive. But it also reminds me of this, Jay. This sort of closes the argument for me. Um, I know Nick Saban exists. I know Alabama is probably about to win another national championship. But, Jay, that team with Burrow, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Justin Jefferson, that might be the greatest and offensive Kuchenberg, skill. And the center for the Bryant. 14 guys drafted from that, that team. That might be the best collection of skill position offensive players in mm, college Go Tigers. Football. Go Tigers. History. Ed, Ed. Mm. I mean, Ed Ogeron was just go like, Tigers. line it up, line it up, and throw that thing. It, Joe Burrow, man, um, I want to – look, the, the fascinating part outside of, A, for Chiefs fans, take a deep breath. You have the best quarterback in the sport. Yes, I know Aaron Rodgers is about to win another MVP. And, yes, I know Tom Brady may somehow. It was pretty cold last night when he's out there throwing that rock, wasn't it? He's pretty good. <laughs> in the cold, it doesn't matter. He's, he's pretty, pretty good. good. Yep. I know Tom Brady probably is going to get the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to somehow another Super Bowl because that's what Tom Brady does. He gets teams to Super Bowls. But you have the best quarterback. But what's fascinating about this year's upcoming postseason is We've seen a limited amount of Josh Allen, and can he take the next step and get his team across the finish line? But, man, you're going to see Herbert, Burrow. Um, I think you're going to see Herbert. I I, I, I assume the Chargers this are going to be my home statement postseason, man. Just keep those guys down. Really he's he's going to have an opportunity against I mean, great quarterbacks to keep him down. Mac, Mac Jones has done excellent this year under Bill Belichick. Um, in a year that is somewhat reminiscent of, of 2001 Patriots with a young – Tom Brady. So um, it's a new cast of characters, but the Chiefs have the top guy. There's nothing that this season has proven to me other than you need some turnover luck. You need some penalties, apparently. You need a absolute historic individual performance from a skill position player when the opportunity is there for that player. But outside of that, the Chiefs still have the best quarterback in the league. It's just it's exciting this year because – He's going up against young guys that are really gunning after him. And uh and look, the Chiefs, the Chiefs are the target, but they still have the best, I think, combination of coach, quarterback, collective talent, and championship pedigree moving forward. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We have about a minute, uh, minute twenty left, Nate. Uh, question here from the nine one three. What about refs not attending press conferences after Ooh! the end? Of- now sometimes they put some what poor reporters go talk. Report. Yes. Occasionally, yeah. Well, have these- you ever been a part of that pool? I, I have not. We 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 uh we give our faith and trust to Adam Teicher, who's been covering the Chiefs yeah. since I was a child. Shout out Let to Nate him. Let Nate swim in the pool. But if they, I mean, in these COVID times, you know, whoo, we don't want that, Jay. We don't want. We really don't want that. But 
hey, the league's got to be accountable because people are gambling lots of money. And That's the big thing. And nowadays. a lot of tickets have been spent already for yeah. what I thought was going to be a home yeah, who, field who, advantage. Who's, who's, who's more mad, the players, the fans, <laughs> or gamblers? <laughs> Everybody. But look. Well, you can say players and coaches do it. Do have a lot of life financially. <laughs> win, win Saturday, get the two seed, and then the revenge tour starts for these Kansas City Chiefs. We'll podcast this show later. This is the Nate Taylor Show. We'll be back next Monday, though. But coming up next, Red Reaction. Fire up the phone lines, 913-576-7610. Dusty Likens, Nick Price. Next! <laughs>